I want to read something to you while you remain standing. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, admonishing the body of Christ to put on the whole armor of God. Verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. How many of you pray in the spirit? He says, pray in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. Notice he invited them to pray for him. This great apostle depended on the prayers of the saints. I don't care how spiritual you become, you need people praying for you. Amen. And I solicited your prayers tonight. As for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to declare the mystery of the gospel. Amen. So stretch your hands out toward me and just pray in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit. Pray loud and pray bold. In the name of Jesus, I receive the prayers. I receive the prayers of the saints. In the mighty name of Jesus. I receive utterance in the Holy Ghost. To speak boldly. To deliver accurately. That which you have put in my spirit. And I give you praise that by the time we reach the end of this service, you will have confirmed the word with signs following, and you will receive all the glory. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Look at somebody and tell them you're in the right place tonight. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. I have been waiting for this service since 3.30 yesterday afternoon. Wasn't that a great message Pastor Justin gave us last night? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I heard a preacher say one time, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 6. I heard a preacher say one time, it's always easy to make excuses when you don't want to be obedient to God's word. I'm going to say that again. It's always easy to make excuses when you don't want to be obedient to what God says in his word. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is giving us some instructions that he's expecting us to obey. He didn't say these things because he couldn't think of anything else to say. He didn't say these things because he was trying to fill pages. (laughs) He said these things for our benefit because they work. Amen? Amen. So let's look at Matthew 6. This is the scripture that the Lord gave Pastor Justin to base this conference on. First things first. And notice in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things shall be added unto you. And all these things, you'll have to look up a few verses earlier, and you discover that all these things are a reference to the material necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter, finances. So you don't have to seek those things if you seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness first. Then all these things will be added unto you. It's amazing that most Christians do everything they can do 
And then right at the end of the journey, they decide, uh, maybe I ought to do what God said. Why is he always the last resort? Matthew chapter six is talking about priorities. And for most people, including Christians, they have misplaced priorities. Amen. So notice here, this is all about priorities. It's all about establishing things in your life, putting first things first. What God says is important, you should determine it's important to you as well. Amen. Say that with me. What God says is important is also important to me. So the fact that he says, seek his kingdom first, then that sounds like it's very, very important to God. And it should be important to us. Now we discovered from the Amplified Bible that it's translated as seek ye first his kingdom, his way of doing and being right. And we talked about that at the opening service of this conference on Sunday night about seeking and striving after his way of doing and being right. So once again, if you're not, if that is not a priority to you, then it's nobody else's fault but yourself that you're not enjoying what he promised you would enjoy if you put this as a priority. So you have nobody else to blame. Amen. I know it's always easier to blame somebody else, but it's not your wife's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not your pastor's fault. And it most definitely is not my fault. (laughs) Amen. So priorities, say priorities. Priorities. Seek first. That's a priority. Wouldn't you say that's a priority? Amen. If if I was going to some uh, extremely wealthy businessman who has proven over the years that he knows what it takes to make money, he knows what it takes to earn money, to generate money, to invest money and uh, always have money. And I asked him, uh, would you teach me how to do that? And he said, well, the first thing you do, wouldn't that be important? Now, this is the first thing I learned, Jerry. If you want to be successful, here's the first thing I learned. Well, then you pay close attention to what he's about to say. So Jesus is talking about being successful in life, living your best life, living the life that he's chosen for you. So first things first. So the problem, once again, is most Christians have misplaced priorities. They want God's best, but they're not willing to do what it takes to acquire them. Amen. Amen. Anybody want God's best? Now, let me ask you this. Are you willing to do what is required to acquire them. Amen. So that means, and I say this all the time. I just, I did some programs this morning and, and I said it and I told the people, I said, you've heard me say this thousands of times. And if you watch our broadcast, you're going to hear me say it thousands of times in the future. You've got to make a quality decision to spend quality time in the word of God. Amen. And nobody else can do that for you. It, It's something you have to decide to do. Okay. So notice a lot of people, and I'm talking about Christians, they 
always come up with a rational justification as to why they can't do what the word says to do. Well, I don't have time. Well, you don't understand. Well, I have, I have other things that are more important. What's more important? What's more important than learning God's way of doing things? I remember Lester Summerall was a dear friend of mine and I enjoyed preaching with Brother Summerall in his church up in South Bend. He and I traveled together in different parts of the world and he was a most unusual man, the most opinionated man I ever met in my life. If you didn't know, if you didn't want to know what he thought, don't ask. And, and, and sometimes he'd give you what he thought, even when you didn't ask, you know. But I learned a lot from Brother Summerall. And I remember one time he he came here and I didn't know he was coming. I had just come in town from uh, meetings and uh, I had one day in the office that I had to do television broadcast and then one day to, to get ready to go on my next tour. And my secretary at that time uh, said, Brother Summerall is over in the administrative building. I said, Brother Summerall, what's he doing here? She said, we don't know. He just showed up and wanted to know uh, where you were and if you were here. I said, well, let the receptionist know I'll come over to see him. So when I got over to the reception office, uh, I asked, where's Brother Summerall? They said, he's in the accounting room. He was in there looking at our financial statements. (laughs) He'd tell uh, people in the accounting department, "Uh, uh, let me see those files. Well, who tells... Lester Summerall, no, you know, and he was gruff, you know, and, and uh, very authoritative, you know. And so when I walked in, I said, Brother Summerall, what are you doing here? He said, well, I just, I just bought an airplane out in San Diego, and I'm on my way to Houston to do a meeting tonight. And uh, I want to stop by and, and tell you that I want you to go with me. I said, Brother Summerall, I, I just got home. I've got television broadcasts to do today. And uh, I, yeah, I wish I'd have known in advance, I would have, you know, maybe changed some plans so I could go with you. He made this statement. I'll never forget it. What could be more important than being with me? <laughs> I got on the phone. I said, Carolyn, don't expect me home. I'm going to Houston with a letter from Rob. What could be more important than being with me? Well, what could be more important than following Jesus' instructions? If you want to live your best life, what could be more important than following his instructions? You know, the Bible says in James chapter one, verse 22, be ye doers of the word. Now this is not my sermon. This is my introduction. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, there's churches full of Christians all over the world that are hearers only. They're, they're not doers. And, and the reason they don't experience God's best is simply because they only hear, but they don't do. They don't apply, you know? And usually there's some kind of what they think is a legitimate excuse as to why not. There are no legitimate excuses as to why you can't be a doer of the word. He said, do it then do it. Amen. Amen. So I said, you don't have to be so matter of fact. Yes, I do. I remember one time I was out at Fred Price's church, 
Of course, Brother Price, just many years ago, he was still a young man and he and I were very close friends and, and I was in his church and, and boy, he laid down the law. I mean, he laid down the law. He, 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 he told the people when he got ready to lay hands on them at the end, he said, now everybody wants me to lay hands on them, come on up to the front. Then he said, now, I want you to put your foot on that line, toe on that line. Don't be standing back like this. Put your toe on that line all the way across the front. Hey, what did I tell you? Put your toe on the front of that line. Don't be standing back here like this. That's the reason why you're not blessed. You don't follow instructions. I told Fred after the service, I said, boy, you run this place like a boot camp. He said, you got to brother, you got to. So you can get people to finally learn to follow instructions. Amen. So notice here, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving your own selves. The passion translation says, don't just listen to the word of truth and then uh, refuse to do it. Because that is the essence of self-deception. That is the essence of self-deception. The message translation says, very bluntly, act on what you hear. Look at your neighbor and say, act on what you hear. And then James goes on to say that if you are a doer of the word, verse 25 says, you'll be blessed in your deed. In other words, if you, uh, if you are obedient to act on what you hear and what you read, and, 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 and what you meditate upon from God's word, then blessings will come into your life. That's God's promise. Doers of the word are blessed in their deed. Anybody want to be blessed in their deed? I certainly do. So I've endeavored for the last 55 years to be a doer of the word and it's working. I might add, I heard, I read, I didn't hear this because I wasn't born yet, but I read one time that Benjamin Franklin said, <laughs> It's quite a, quite a statement. He said, I've never known a man who was good at making excuses, who was good at anything else. Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> I never met a man who was good at making excuses, who was good at anything else. Amen. So don't make excuses as to why you can't put first things first. How many of you here tonight truly want your 2024 to be a year of progression, advancement, promotion, and your highest expectations fulfilled. Amen. That's the word of the Lord for us. So then you have to ask yourself this question. Am I through making excuses? Am I through making excuses? And am I ready to put first things first? So I want you to turn and ask your neighbor that. Are you through making excuses? And are you ready to put first things first? Amen. Now, if you remember on Sunday night, uh, we read from the Amplified Bible that seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness is, is defined as striving after his way of doing and being right. His way of doing and being right works. Amen. Would you agree to that? Yes. Say this with me. Doing things God's way. Always works. works. Say it again. Doing things God's way way always works. works. Now, 
I want to make this statement to you, and I'm still in my introduction. I haven't got to my message yet. Even though Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How many of you believe you've been redeemed from the curse of the law? There are some Christians who are still living under the effects of it or characteristics of it. And you can read those in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first 13 verses talk about the blessings and the remaining verses in that chapter talk about the curses. And you can see uh, what the curses do and what they, how they affect a person's life. And even though we have been redeemed from the curse, there are still Christians that are living under the effects of it. For instance, one of the, one of the curses is, uh, you never prosper. Uh, you sow seed and you reap little that's under the curse. And yet there are many Christians that are still living under the effects of that. They never prosper. It seems like, uh, they take three steps forward and four steps back. They're, they never get ahead. Now that doesn't make them bad people, but there's got to be a reason why that's happening. And inquiring minds want to know. Amen. Now let me give you this verse. I'm still in my introduction. Proverbs 26 verse two says, the curse causeless shall not come. The curse causeless shall not come. In other words, uh, the, the curse or the effects of the curse in a person's life can only come if there is a justified cause. Or you might say it this way, they open the door to it. And that's what a lot of Christians have done. They open the door for the effects of the curse to take place and manifest in their lives. Now, Get ready because what I'm about to preach to you is uh, not your normal church message. This is a message that I would normally preach in an evangelistic crusade. And some of you in here tonight, I don't know, uh, I don't know all of you like Pastor Justin does because I'm gone all the time. You've heard me say it before. I'm the founder of this church, but I'm the worst attending member because I'm always gone. And that's, that's, that's my assignment, you know. The Lord just told Carolyn and I to establish a place where people could come and, and hear the uncompromising word of faith and love people that have been hurt, okay? And, and, and that's, that's the purpose of this church. And I can't pastor it. I'm not a pastor. I have endeavored to pastor before, but I'm, that's not, that's not my, my real calling. Amen. It's like anybody uh, uh, ever heard of, uh, I believe his name was Jesse Winthrop. Winthrop. He was, he was the pastor of Souls Harbor in Harlem. Does anybody remember the name? I know his first name was Jesse, Pastor Jesse. And uh, we were on TBN together one time, years ago. And Paul Crouch was interviewing us. And he said, now, Pastor Jesse... I understand you have 13 kids. He said, yeah, but my real calling is pastoring. <laughs> so uh, my real calling is not pastoring. Okay. Now I, I admire Justin. Amen. He's a pastor. He has a pastor's heart. 
I, I, I could not ask for any one better. Amen. And I trust him and I love him and he's my pastor. Amen. I told him last night after the service that that was a, a, a wonderful message and you're my pastor. Amen. He's my pastor. Hallelujah. And, and he, does, he does a wonderful job at it because that's where his anointing is. Amen. Amen. You know, if I was pastoring, like, like Brother Copeland one time, he was, we, were in, we were in London and he had a, a pastor's meeting before we started the, the week's convention. Had all them pastors there. And at the time I was pastoring our first church here in Fort Worth, we called it Overcoming Faith Center. And uh, later I merged it with Brother Harold Nichols' church because I'm not a pastor, but I, I pastored that church for several years. And so I was pastoring at the time and traveling and Brother Copeland, I mean, he was doing his best to try to encourage these pastors, but boy, he was coming, he was coming down on them. I mean, he didn't cut them any slack at all. Finally, he just said, I don't know what I'm saying. Jerry, get up here and finish this, you know, because <laughs> I had pastoral experience and he never had. Amen. So what's somebody who's never had pastoral experience have to say to pastors? <laughs> Other than uh, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, dismiss, let's so show up tonight. That's about all you can say. Amen. So Justin is a pastor. And you get pastoral messages every week here, praise God. Now, a lot of times, because I'm traveling, uh, depending on the time zones, I get to watch the services before I go into my service, wherever I might be, okay? So I try to stay up with what's happening here and uh, don't think I'm just out running around having a ball and (laughs) sightseeing and eating in fancy restaurants and staying in nice hotels and you're suffering here in Crowley. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on top, praise God. Amen. So notice here, the curse causeless shall not come. Uh, you could say uh, the, the curse without just cause cannot come. In other words, people have to open the door to it. And I'm talking about people who've been redeemed from the curse. Amen. We're not supposed to live under the curse. We're redeemed from the curse. But Christians can open the door to the effects of the curse. In other words, give a just cause for it happening in their lives. Now, some of you may have never heard a message like this, and I'm still in the introduction. (laughs) But just get ready, praise God. I believe it's going to help you. I believe there's some, some freedom coming tonight. Glory to God. Amen. Now, let me, let me say this to you. I don't want to overlook anything I've written down because I've been writing since 3.30 yesterday afternoon. When we are striving to pursue God's way of doing and being right, then we prevent the adversary from putting the effects of the curse on our lives. Let me say it again. If we are putting first things first and we are pursuing God's way of doing and being right, then Satan has no legal right. We don't open the door to him. The curse can't come on us without just cause. 
if we're doing what Jesus told us to do. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And if we are doing that, then the New International or the New Living Translation says this, an undeserved curse can't come. An undeserved curse can't come. Meaning uh, you didn't open the door to it. You were doing what God's word said to do. You were doing first things first and you don't deserve that curse or the effects of it coming on your life. Does that make sense to you? Now, the new uh, living translation implies that it will have no effect on its intended victim. Hallelujah. It will have no effect on its intended victim, meaning you. So if you don't open the door to it, then it can't, it can't function in your life. Hallelujah. So always, always coming behind, that's under the curse. Because the Bible says we're to be the head and not the tail. The Bible says one of the blessings is you shall lend and not borrow. If you're always the borrower, then that's an effect of the curse. Let me try this side of the auditorium. If you're always coming behind and you're never ahead and you're not prospering, those are the effects of the curse. Well, no, brother Jerry, you just don't understand my background. No, I don't have anything to do with it. You don't understand how I was raised. That has nothing to do with it. I wasn't raised knowing these things. I was raised on a farm. I was born on a farm in Vicksburg, Mississippi in the sticks. My grandfather bought that place in 1927. It's where my dad was raised. It's where I was born. And my dad grew up being called white trash. He was, they were so poor. And of course, I heard all the stories of how poor he was, you know. And he made up his mind, his, his children were not going to live that way. Now, if we'd have stayed in Vicksburg, Mississippi under my grandfather, I, I would have probably lived that way for the rest of my life. But, but I don't think my dad knew it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, was behind us leaving Vicksburg, moving to Shreveport, Louisiana, wind up living on the same street Carolyn lived on. Later, we married. Later, I came to the Lord. Later, I learned the word. And the rest is history. Amen. But I, I wasn't raised in prosperity. I wasn't raised in a affluent family. Now we weren't poor. Dad worked hard and kept, kept clothes on our back and food on our table, but, uh, we didn't have any to waste. You know, there were a lot of things I wanted that he couldn't afford, but I never went without. Amen. I mean, I was from the time I was old enough to drive. I was never without a car. It had been wrecked first and dad rebuilt it, but I had a car, never without a car. I I wouldn't have known if somebody had given me a brand new car, I wouldn't have known how to drive it because everything I'd ever owned had been wrecked first. Some of them total wrecks, but my dad was a master at rebuilding wrecked cars that most people said you will, you will never uh, make that look like it came out of the factory. 
Well, just hiding watch. My dad, when he got through with it, you could not tell it ever been damaged or wrecked. Amen. And that's what I wanted him to teach me. And that's what I began doing uh, before I went into the ministry. That was the business I had. Okay. But I didn't, I never owned a new car until I learned the word. When we, when we moved to Fort Worth, we were driving a wrecked car that I bought. A 1964 O's 98 luxury sedan that luxury had left that car years before I got it. <laughs> had over 100,000 miles and was a total wreck and it's all I could afford. You won't believe what I paid for it. $167.85 because nobody else wanted it. And I spent day and night rebuilding that car. When I got through it, you couldn't tell it was ever been wrecked. Yeah, I mean, I repainted it. It it was a beautiful car from the outside. But the engine was shot, the transmission was shot, the brakes were shot. And that's what I drove over here to go to work with Brother Copeland. And I had learned that before Brother Copeland and Gloria began to uh, experience the blessings, they did, they, they, they was their story as well. In fact, Brother Copeland's old car, when he first started here in Kenneth Hagen, he drove to Tulsa and drove to Brother Hagen's office in that car and walked in the office and Buddy Harrison, Brother Hagen's son-in-law, was the office manager back in those days. And Brother Copeland walked up to Buddy and said, Buddy, I got to have those tapes. I've got to have those tapes of Brother Hagen's messages, but I don't have any money. I can't pay for them but I give you the title to my car. And Buddy and Brother Hagen looked out the window at that car and they said, we don't want that thing in our parking lot. <laughs> we just take the tapes, you know? <laughs> Amen. So when we came over here, we're still driving a car that had been totaled and, and before I got it. And then, you know, eventually we were able to get a better car. It wasn't new. It had been wrecked. I did the repairing on it. And, and that's what we drove for a while. And then I'll never forget the first new car that Carol and I ever were able to buy was in 1976. Oh man, it smelled new. Oh, it looked good. Hallelujah. And then after that, we were able to buy new cars every time we wanted a new car. We'd drive them for several years, maybe give them away to somebody. And, and then be able to, to purchase another one. Hallelujah. Now, that came, and I'm not bragging on me. Please don't understand. Uh, please understand, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Word of God. So I'm trying to tell you, I could not do that before the Word was in my heart, and I learned to put first things first. Amen. So God has blessed us. He did exactly what he said he would do in the book of James. If you're a doer of the word, you'll be blessed in your deed. And I'm living proof. And there are others in this room that are living proof that God honors his word. Can you say amen? Amen. So the curse undeserved cannot come. The curse that you didn't open the door to cannot come. The curse that is not legally justified cannot come. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, now, let's get into what the Holy Spirit impressed upon me to share with you tonight. 
That's the introduction. That's, that's an important introduction. Go with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Now this is going to get a little deep. So pay close attention. Lay hands on your neighbor and say, I'm praying for you right now. And my prayer is, you'll pay close attention. <laughs> Amen. And once again, as I said, I had no plans to preach this when Justin asked me to be part of this conference. I had no idea I would preach this. In fact, the last time I preached a message like this was in an evangelistic campaign. Okay? So get ready to receive. Now, Matthew chapter 12, if you'll turn there with me, and let's begin reading in verse 28. But if I cast out devils, this is Jesus speaking, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Now, remember Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, if I'm casting out devils by the Spirit of God, Jesus said, then the kingdom has come unto you. Now, what does that phrase mean? What does that phrase mean? Let me give you the answer to that. The phrase, the kingdom of God is come unto you, implies that the blessings and the advantages that flow from living under Christ's rule has come into your life. Let me say it again. The, the, the phrase, the kingdom of God is come unto you, implies that the blessings and the advantages that flow from living under Christ's rule has come to you. Setting people free from demonic influence has everything to do with experiencing Christ's rule and experiencing kingdom living. A lot of these things I'm going to repeat because I want to make sure you get it. Setting people free from demonic influence has everything to do with experiencing Christ's rule and experiencing kingdom living. Now, we'll come back to Matthew 12 in just a moment, but I want you to go to, hold your place and go back to Matthew chapter 4. And let's look in verse 23. Now remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12. The kingdom is come unto you. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Say that with me. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. All right. Now notice what happened. When he preached the gospel of the kingdom healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them and he healed them. So notice the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom includes delivering people from all satanic 
influence and activity. And the reason a lot of Christians today, and don't misunderstand me, reading these stories about someone who was possessed with the devil, it's not likely that a Christian will be possessed with the devil. Particularly if that Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to share his temple with an evil spirit. Amen. 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 So it's not likely that the reason you're not experiencing God's best and and you're not experiencing uh, the, the benefits of the blessing is because you're demon-possessed, that's not likely. You'd have to completely turn away from God. You'd have to deny what he did at Calvary, and there's other things involved, for you to ever become a candidate, so to speak, for demon possession. And just because you backslid one time does not make you demon-possessed. Just because you skipped church two years in a row does not make you demon-possessed. <laughs> However, there are other terms that would apply to Christians. All right. Vexed, demonized. Vexed or demonized. Okay? Now, if you're vexed, by a, de- a demonic spirit. Let me give you a definition of that. What does it mean to be vexed by a demonic spirit? It means or implies troubled, agitated, disturbed, tormented, and or afflicted by demonic influence. Vexed demonized. Now, understand too that being vexed or demonized is not something that's going on in your spirit. It's in the soulish realm. The soulish realm. Your will, your mind, your emotions. You open the door to being vexed by the devil. Three predominant ways. Number one, thoughts, speech, actions. Thoughts, speech, and actions. And we'll show you that in the Word. Thoughts, speech, and actions. If you're vexed or demonized, we're not talking about something going on in your spirit, man, because the Holy Spirit is not going to share his temple with the devil. Okay, so we're talking about the soulish realm. You do know the greatest battles you'll ever fought is between your ears. The mind, the emotions, your thinking faculties. Amen. And if you'll notice here in this story we just read from Matthew chapter 4, all, the, that, all that the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom produced, it produced healings, miracles, and deliverance from demonic activity and influence. So when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, then people should be setting, getting set free from sickness, disease. They should be experiencing miracles. And if necessary, they should be delivered from being vexed by demonic influence. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? I want to submit to you tonight 
that seeking first the kingdom includes pursuing freedom from all sickness, pursuing freedom from all disease, and pursuing freedom from all demonic influence. That's included in seeking first the kingdom of God. Seeking first the kingdom includes pursuing freedom from all sickness, all disease, and any form of demonic influence in your life. Okay, now let's go back to Matthew chapter 12. If I cast out devils by the spirit of God, verse 28, then the kingdom is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his house except he first? There's that word first. How can you spoil a strong man's house except you first bind him? I think the problem with a lot of Christians who are still living under the effects of the curse, even though they've been redeemed from the curse, but they're still living under the effects of it, is because they've never dealt with a strong man. Now, let me uh, define some of these terms in this, in this verse. Some of you may be thinking, Brother Jerry, where in the world are you headed with this? Just hold on. Let's, let's define some of these terms. Strong man. Strong man is symbolic of Satan or our adversary. His house is talking about the person that has become subject to him. Okay. His goods represents that which he has taken from that person and brought it into his possession or under his control. Binding the strong man implies taking authority over him and loosing the person that had become subject to his control and setting them absolutely free. Let me go back and cover that again. The strong man is symbolic of Satan or our adversary. His house in this scripture is talking about the person that has become subject to him. His goods, he'll spoil his goods, represents that which he has taken from this person and brought it into his possession or under his control. And then binding the strong man implies taking authority over him and loosing that person that had become subject to his control and setting them totally free. Amen. Many times, uh, Joe and I, we've traveled all over the world. There's not too many places I've been around the world that Joe hasn't been with me. And, and, you know, Jesus sent them out two by two. And, and, and uh, I learned way back that when I'm ministering to people, particularly in the area of deliverance and, and ministering healing and so forth, and particularly in areas where demonic influence is very prevalent, then I want an intercessor. I'm endeavoring to get direction from the Lord because I learned from Jesus, I do nothing except I first hear and see my father say it and do it. So I don't just jump out and start laying hands on people. There's sometimes I'll say, Joe, well, every time, 
Joe, pray in the spirit. And we'll start praying in the spirit. And that demon possessed guy is standing right in front of me, you know, cursing me sometimes, uh, you know, in a, in a, 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 a voice that is enough to cause the hair to stand up on the back of your neck and take a week to get it to lay down again. Some of you have never seen real demon possession. We see it. And it's not all in Africa. Some of us in Miami, some of us in California, some of us in South Louisiana. We've seen it everywhere. How many of you have ever seen in your meeting, if you've ever done a meeting like this? A lady in the prayer line, fall down on the stage and get to squirming and wiggling like a snake and hissing at you. Anybody remember Raymond Shores? Raymond Shores, Raymond and Mary Shores, you know. Uh, Raymond was one of my precious brothers. He, Raymond and Mary <clears throat> were the first, um, and I want to say this correctly, African-Americans, black people, to ever t- attend our white church back in the first church we had. They were the first black couple that ever came. And we just fell in love with Raymond and Mary. And eventually they came to work for us. And uh, Raymond did a lot of maintenance for us. Then I, had, then I put him on the road crew to travel with us in all of our evangelistic campaigns. I'd rent auditoriums all over the nation and start on Thursday night and go through Saturday night, jump in the airplane, fly back, and be in church on Sunday morning. And uh, we were in uh, Pasadena, California. <clears throat> And I had all these people I was getting ready to pray for come up on the stage. And uh, I had Raymond standing next to me and I had some other people standing behind the people in case they fell out under the power of God, which was not unusual. And, and in this particular meeting, I had them standing behind them because uh, there was an orchestra pit between the stage and the front row. And I didn't want them falling in that orchestra pit. So they're standing behind them. And I'm going down the line praying for these people as the Lord directed. I, did, I don't always just start at the first one. I start at where God tells me to start. I'm praying in the spirit and receiving instructions from the Lord. And, and I prayed on, for this person in front of me. They fell out on the power of God and I prayed for a couple of people. And then I noticed down to the left, this woman just fell flat on the floor and began wiggling and squirming like a snake. And of course, it got the attention of everybody in there. And I had to say to them, that spirit controlling her thrives on attention. It's trying to, it's trying to uh, distract you and you up here that are being prayed for from receiving your healing. So don't pay any attention to her. Pay attention to me. I'm the priest and the prophet of this service. So you just pay attention to what I'm doing and what God's doing. He's working with me. I'm working with him. Do not focus on this woman. And then I turned to Raymond. I said, Raymond, get that woman out of here. Take her backstage and get her delivered. Raymond's eyes got that big. I mean, <laughs> he just stood there shaking. I, I said, Raymond, did you hear me? He said, Brother Jerry, I won't go nowhere with that woman. <laughs> That's the first time he'd ever seen anything like that. Well, I had to choose somebody else because Raymond just stood there, you know. 
He couldn't get his feet to moving, you know? He didn't want to go anywhere with that woman. Well, we've seen things like that happen many times. There was a guy in same place, Pasadena. I used to start my year every year renting the convention center in Pasadena. After I left vacation from Honolulu, then the first place I'd stop was Pasadena and start my year. It was a three-day crusade. And in that same auditorium, uh, one night, Pat and Shirley Boone and Debbie Boone were all in my meeting. And uh, uh, there was a, a guy that just jumped up out of the audience about five or six rows back. And I'm on the platform. It was a lot higher than this. And this is back in the days when we wore those lavalier mics that were connected to the amplifier and you could just go so far, you know. And so he jumped, he jumped up and, and began to cuss me with the filthiest language you ever heard in your life. And he, he jumped up with this demonic look and he was going to jump on me. And I just tore that mic off and jumped off that platform. We met in midair and rolled in the floor. And it took me a good 40 minutes to cast all them devils out of him. And after the service, Pat and Shirley and Debbie come up and Pat Boone said, uh, Jerry, does this happen in every meeting you do? I said, no, sir, only in Pasadena. <laughs> you know? I mean, we've seen some things. We've seen some things, haven't we, Joe? Oh, my. Now, it's not likely anybody in here is demon-possessed. Let me say the hands of all the born-again people. Okay. It's not likely that demon possession is your problem. But it could be that you're vexed. Because you haven't aligned your thoughts, your words, and your actions to the Word of God. Your thoughts, your words, and your actions. See, that's the open door Satan is looking for. That's the open door he's looking for. Now, notice in the same Matthew 12, back up a few verses, verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. Now, there are some Christians who have that spirit, dumb spirit. Okay. Just, just a little humor there. Okay. <laughs> then was brought unto him one possessed with, with a devil. John Osteen told me one time, he said, Brother Jerry, you th I think I'm, I'm pastoring a granola church. I said, what do you mean by that, Brother John? He said, I got a bunch of fruits, flakes, and nuts. <laughs> I've never heard Justin tell that about you. Amen. There was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, <clears throat> insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? So notice, what did Jesus do? He preached the kingdom. What did he tell the disciples to do when he sent them out? Preach the kingdom. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Yeah. Amen. That's all a part of preaching the kingdom. 
And seeking first the kingdom includes your pursuit of being totally free from sickness, disease, and any form of demonic influence or activity in your life. Hallelujah. All right, now. I'm only suggesting that it could be the reason some never experience the fulfillment of what God's promised is because they have never taken authority over the strong man in which they open the door to him to cause them to experience and stay under the effects of the curse. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm redeemed from the curse. And the, the effects of the curse, say it, and the effects of the curse cannot come on me or affect my life if I don't give a just cause. Amen? All right, now. If you're constantly having difficulty in succeeding, seldom ever enjoying God's best for your life, then it's quite possible there's demonic influence involved. And if you don't take control of it or authority over it, then it's not likely that you'll ever break free and it's not likely you'll ever experience what God wants you to experience. That's what this service is about tonight. It's getting set free. Breaking the power of the strong man. Hallelujah. Once again, I had no plans to minister on this But yesterday, about 3.30, as I was praying about this service, this is what the Lord put in my heart. After I went home last night, I went to bed late praying over this. I got up early this morning praying over this. Uh, I did some broadcast this morning at the office, had lunch with some of the folks, and and then came home. Took a a one-hour nap, and then got right back into this. showered, got dressed, and went to my third floor of my museum where I go to seek God and to pray and to get the word of the Lord. It's my my, uh, prayer closet. And before coming here, I spent at least an hour or so up there praying in the spirit so that I would be accurate in my delivery of what God wanted me to share with you so that those of you who need it will experience freedom tonight. Tonight. I said tonight. Hallelujah. You sound very confident, Brother Jerry. I've been here before. (laughs) I know what's about to happen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think we ought to thank God in advance. Thank God in advance. Hallelujah. Amen. The first step in becoming totally free from any demonic influence is to first of all acknowledge you need that freedom. Do you ever notice it's hard to deal with an alcoholic who doesn't believe he has a problem? Won't admit he has a problem? You ever endeavor to minister to religious-minded people that don't think they're wrong? 
So the first step to experiencing complete and total freedom is to acknowledge you need it. And then you want it. Amen. Amen. You want it. Praise God. You can, you, you could have opened the door once again to this by wrong thinking, wrong talking and wrong acting. The apostle Paul tells us this, go to second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And look at verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Say strongholds. 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 (coughs) Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it's quite possible that what Paul is talking about and referring to as strongholds is wrong thoughts and wrong imaginations. Anything (coughs) that is contrary to God's word. He goes on to saying, bringing into obedience every thought. So wrong thinking could open the door and give the effects of the curse the legal right to affect your life, influence your life. Wrong thoughts. Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What if a person does not do that? They never cast down those thoughts that are contrary to God's word. What if they never do that? Then it creates a stronghold. It gives a place for the strong man to operate. Amen. And without him being bound, then once again, it's not likely that you'll ever experience what God wants you to enjoy. So casting down imagination, the Amplified Bible says, for the overthrow of strongholds. The message translation says, fitting every thought every emotion and every impulse into the structure of the life shaped by Christ. James chapter uh, one, verse 14 from the Passion Translation says, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil up there, evil and lure them away into darkness. I couldn't read my own writing. 
I pray for you, Terry. <laughs> She'll be typing this tomorrow. <clears throat> Notice it's a person's own fault. The person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. And this all started out with, don't let any man say he's tempted of God. God tempteth no man with evil. And then he says, you're the blame. You're the one who opens the door to it. Amen. Amen. So what do we do? We must cast down anything that is contrary to God's word. That's, that's a part of seeking first God's way of doing and being right. Amen. Amen. Now, wrong thoughts. Let's look at wrong words. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken captive with the words of thy mouth, or you are taken with the words of your mouth. Another translation uses the word captive. You are taken captive by the words of your mouth. The Amplified Bible says you are caught by your speech. The Passion Translation says you are trapped. You are trapped. You are caught. You are taken captive by wrong speech. Amen. So notice, these are two of the ways that you open the door to the strong man that gives him access to influencing your outcome. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of James that with the mouth, you can curse or you can bless. The book of James says that uh, the tongue is a is an evil. Uh, it's like a poison. And if it's not brought under the control of the word of God, then it, it has a way of destroying your life. Amen. It may not happen immediately. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, I still say it scared me to death and I didn't die. I still use the words fear. I'm afraid to go. I'm afraid not. And nothing happened. Well, Satan's setting you up for the kill. I mean, what would you think if somebody, if I just got through preaching a sermon, I mean, spent a whole hour preaching a sermon on the power of words, and somebody stood up and said, my goodness, Brother Jerry, I had no idea that my words affected my outcome. I'll tell you one thing. I'll die before I ever talk negative again. And they just died right in front of us. Somebody would think, I'm sure. Now he said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. They said, I'll die if I ever take a talk negative again. And they died right in front of us. Do you think their words might have had anything to do with that? See, Satan just blew his cover. He's not going, he, he's not going you go around saying, that tickled me to death. You're not going to die immediately from saying that because he would blow his cover. Everybody would figure out, oh, wait a minute. We need to learn to talk right. Amen. 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 No, he's just going to, you know, just, just wait for the perfect timing like he did with my grandfather. 
I told you about it. My grandfather said, I just hope, son, to see you graduate before I die. I graduated May of 64. He died September 64, first week I started college. But he said that all his life. He, did, he wasn't old enough to die, but Satan took his words and used them against him, trapped him, snared him, took his life. Amen. I, I, I remember, how many of you remember that explosion in Oklahoma City that, that killed a lot of people? And I heard, I heard Christians shortly after that expressing themselves by saying, that just blew my mind. I said, don't say that. Oh, you're getting picky with words again. I, I refuse to talk like that. That just blew my mind. That's giving Satan something to work with. If you don't respond better, I'm going somewhere else to preach this message. Oh, I know you're really taking it in. Huh? Now, Satan's not going to blow his cover. He'll give you, he'll, he'll just... Just give you some rope, so to speak. Just keep, just keep talking that way, and then he'll jerk the slack out from under you. Use it against you. So notice here, wrong thoughts and wrong words can open the door for the strong man to have influence in your life and to block the things that God wants you to enjoy. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37 the message translation says, words are powerful, take them seriously. I, I don't know how you get it any plainer than that. <clears throat> words are powerful, take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can be your damnation. And one of the meanings of the word damnation is being in a state of constant torment. Your words can cause you to be in a state of constant torment. And torment is not from God. It comes from the devil. What about your actions? In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he said something that I want you to see. Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> the latter part of the verse. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now let's define iniquity. Wickedness, unrighteous acts, lawlessness, Evil doing, you could say, constantly yielding to the lust of the flesh. Which includes, now get ready, immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, obscene language, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, hatred of others, Resentment when others are favored. Selfishness. See, it's not all murder. Well, I'm not murdering any brother Jerry. I must not have any problem with the lust of the flesh. Oh, really? 
I didn't list one of these things you have a problem with. I think I better read them again. Immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, obscene language, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography. You'd be surprised at the number of Christians that are hooked and addicted to pornography. Hatred of others. You'd be surprised at the number of preachers that are addicted to it. Don't you remember? Not too long ago, a few years ago, one very famous preacher who fell admitted on television to the world he'd always had a problem with pornography. And eventually Satan set him up for a fall. So the preachers should be immune to it, but they're not. I remember one time I was preaching in Chicago. This is back in 72. I'm staying at a Holiday Inn. I went into my room and I had to start a meeting that night. I was going to be there for three nights. Went into my room. It was the first time I'd ever seen they had a piece of equipment on top of the television set that you could pay up at the front desk to watch pornographic movies in your room on the television set. But you had to, you had to buy this key that, that turned that piece of equipment on. Well, I, I never even heard of that. I didn't even know those kind of things existed. And the lady asked me when I checked in, do you want a key uh, for the, the uh, I don't know what she called it. Uh, she didn't say the word pornography, but she said, uh, Adult entertainment? Yeah, thank you. I said, no, ma'am, I don't watch that. She said, okay. So I didn't buy the key. So I went to my room and I'm, I'm building my nest. I set up, you know, everything. I always put Christian music on while I'm unpacking and then maybe I'll play a, a faith building message while I'm, while I'm getting organized and everything. And I, I turned the television set on to see what the weather was going to do because there was uh, blizzards forecasted. And I'd been caught in that in Chicago before and couldn't get out of town for two days. So I turned the weather on to see the forecast. <clears throat> All of a sudden, this pornographic movie came on. Just came, it just interfered with the weather and came on. And I didn't have a key. I didn't turn it on. I didn't buy that, you know, key to do that. And I mean, it was graphic and I shut it off and I called Carolyn. Now, when I shut it off, I couldn't believe what I saw. I mean, I could not believe I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I was like, Gomer Powell, golly. (laughs) Shazam. I didn't know people did things like I saw on there, you know? And, and I, I was going to go over and, and uh, uh, sat down at the desk and I noticed it, it, it was planting a seed in my mind. And I remember thinking, I remember the thought came, why don't you watch just a little more of it? 
And I turned and I called Carolyn. I said, Carolyn, pray for me. Something just happened that has never happened to me before. And I don't want that in my thought life. So pray for me right now. And then we prayed and that, that, that solved it right there. But I've actually been in hotels where the front desk asked me if I would like access to adult movies and I'd say no. And they would say, well, the last preacher that was here got him." I said, well, I'm not that preacher. Pornography is a big problem in the body of Christ. Okay. Immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, obscene language. Oh, and by the way, you don't have to have special access to adult films today. Just turn on regular television. What, what used to be, when I'm talking about 1972, I'm not telling this, but anyway, uh, what, what used to be only available on special pieces of equipment, it's on prime time regular television now. You have to be selective about what you watch. You think sometimes you're, oh, I want to see that movie. And the next thing you know, and some of the movies, the very opening scene, you think, dear Lord, I paid to come watch this movie. And Karen and I don't go to movies that often. The only time we do is when we're on vacation. If there's something that we, we heard about that somebody said, you, you might want to see this movie. That's the only time we go to the movies. And it's not that often. And sometimes we have to get up and walk out. The opening scene. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, obscene language, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, hatred of others, resentment when others are favored, selfishness, uncontrolled addictions, Jealousy of those who are blessed. Hmm. Paul refers to this as lust of the flesh. Jealousy of those who are blessed. Boy, if I was to cast demons out and just that one, I'd be doing that in every meeting I go to. Because jealousy of those who are blessed runs rampant in the body of Christ. Chasing after things instead of chasing after God. That comes under the category of lust of the flesh. Anything that is not in keeping with biblical standards. Paul talks about these things in his letter. Listen to this. To the Christians in Galatia. Christians. He wasn't writing to the world. He wasn't writing to evil, wicked people. He was writing to Christians. In fact, the chapter starts off with to the churches of Galatia. He's writing to church people. Church people having problems with the lust of the flesh. Then they wonder why they're never experiencing God's best. Anybody still here? 
If you don't like the message, tell God it's his fault. I had no plans to preach this. But you did want a first things first conference, right? Okay. Amen. So this is part of it. So this shows us by Paul saying to the churches of Galatia that even Christians can yield to the lust of the flesh and become influenced by demonic activity. He tells them, this is what you should be doing. Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now the message translation says, live motivated by God's spirit, then you will not feed your fleshly com- uh, uh, compulsions. If you will be motivated by God's spirit, then you won't feed the fleshly compulsions. The Passion Translation says, <clears throat> as, to you, as you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your flesh. So if you aren't endeavoring to yield to the life and the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's highly improbable that you will ever experience total and complete freedom, nor will you experience God's best in your life. Amen. Amen. So notice once again what Jesus said in Matthew 12. The strong man, that is the spirit that's behind your having constant difficulty in being totally free and having constant difficulty in having the ability to enjoy what God wants for you. You know, I ask this every year, toward the end of the year, how many of you have experienced the prophetic word that we were, were believing for this year? And the majority of the hands go up. And I ask people uh, in other churches all over the country who, who, uh, who have acknowledged me as an apostle to their congregation, and I'll ask them. How many of you are experiencing the prophetic word that I gave you when I came here at the early part of the year? And usually there are a lot of hands, but not every hand. Why isn't every hand? Why doesn't every hand experience it? If that's what God wanted and you're putting first things first, then why wouldn't you experience it? Amen. So could it be some Christians have never dealt with the strong man that is blocking their blessings? The strong man that is blocking their blessings. Hallelujah. Tonight, my, my assignment is to lay hands on people who have recognized one or more of these that I just listed operating or functioning in your life or you're yielding to and to lay hands on you and take authority over that strong man and loose you. Amen. That's what this service was for. So that you can enjoy what first things first produces. All these things will be added to you. If you're not enjoying them, then something's blocking it. There's a door open somewhere. 
that Satan has taken advantage of. And tonight, as Jesus said, first bind the strong man. So we're still in the first month of the year. So why don't we do first things first? Hallelujah. So that the rest of the year, you can enjoy progression, advancement, promotion, and your highest expectations being fulfilled. Come on, lift your hands if you are prepared in Jesus' name to receive. Jesus said in the 16th chapter of Mark, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Amen. So I have been given the authority by the, by the uh, head of the church, Jesus Christ, to take authority over the, the strong man, to bind him and to loose the people in whom he is influencing. Verse 20 says, uh, uh, the Amplified says, uh, these attesting signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. And verse 20 says, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And the Passion Translation says, validating the message they preached. And I put in parentheses, validating the message Jerry preached. That's what I expect. Validating the message that I preached. So if you recognize one of these fleshly, compulsions, and you truly want to be set free, then praise God, I and the team of ministers that work with me, Joe and Eric travel with me all over the world. They work with me in in these kind of things. Pastor Justin, so the four of us, we've been praying in the spirit. We've been believing God all day for the manifestation of the Spirit of God and His power to set people free so that they will no longer be hindered and restricted and confined and they will, they will be in position to experience the prophetic word that God has given us. Amen. Is anybody ready to receive that? Amen. Stand to your feet if you will, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to pray in the spirit, if you will. We can move this, please. Now, as the apostle to this service and to this house, it's my responsibility to pray and to get the mind of the Spirit of God and then become the conductor or the orchestrator of the service by His leadership. Okay? So when I came in tonight, the first thing I said to Justin, gave some instructions of how I believe the Holy Spirit wanted this service to go. You notice we just sang one song at the beginning. Justin had already said he wanted to receive an offering for Captain Rex. I said, let's do that and and make sure we take care of him and then go right back into praise. And we did that. And then I would take it from there 
I'd deliver the word the Lord gave me. And I even told the praise and worship team, or Justin told them what I heard. I selected the, the music, the praise, the choruses. You know, sometimes wrong music can take the service another direction. There were, there, were, there were songs in my spirit that I've used over the years that created an atmosphere for the moving of the Holy Spirit. One of them is, He Touched Me. How I many of you remember that song? You don't hear it much in services in church anymore. It's a powerful, powerful song. He Touched Me. And used to, when I rented auditoriums all over the country, And I had a a group that traveled with me, praise and worship team. John Amato was my praise and worship leader. And he always knew that before I took the service, the last song they would sing was, You Deserve the Glory. It, It creates an atmosphere. And so tonight, before we minister to people, I want us to sing that song, You Deserve the Glory. He is great. Hallelujah. Everybody know it? Praise the worship team. Are ready? Lift your hands and sing it. And let's create the atmosphere that is conducive for the moving of the Holy Spirit. Sing it out with all your heart. Deserve the glory and the honor. Thank you, Father. Lord, we lift our hands in worship and we bless your holy name. You deserve the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, you do, Father. Lord, we lift our hands in worship, and we lift your holy name, for you are great, you do miracles so great, there is no one else like you, there is no one else like you.
hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to ask you individually to tell me what that strong man is in your life based on that list that we gave you. But you do need to be honest with yourself. If you got a problem with pornography, be honest. If you got a problem with bitterness, hatred, lustful thoughts, all those things we, we listed that Paul talked about, then be honest with yourself and come up and allow us to lay our hands on you when I direct you to. And I'm going to lay my hands on you and these men are going to stand by me and behind me with their hands on me so that we allow you to experience a corporate anointing. Hallelujah. There'll be ushers that'll be standing behind you and they're going to be agreeing with us for your freedom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to sing that chorus again as you come up and then when I direct you, I want you to go into He Touched Me because that's what He's going to do tonight. He's going to touch you with His delivering power. Hallelujah. Okay? So, Let's sing that one more time and you come as we're singing it. The ushers are going to help direct you. You want freedom tonight. of Nazareth whose I am and whom I serve come out of her now I break your power strong man you're done you're finished bow to the anointing of God in Jesus name lay hands on her come out of him strong man I bind you You have no legal right from this moment forward to influence him in any way. Thoughts, words, nor actions. 
In Jesus' name, I call you loosed and free by the power of the living God. I bind you, strong man. You release this woman right now. Come out of her. Torment her no more. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Loose this young man in Jesus' name. I take authority over the strong man that's had influence in his life. I break its power. And you'll no longer be tormented, agitated, or troubled by that spirit any longer. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come out, strong man. I bind you. Loose this man right now by the authority in the name of Jesus. Your power is broken. I declare him free by the power of the living God. Hallelujah. Loose her in Jesus' name. Loose him in the name of Jesus. Loose him in the name of Jesus. Once and for all, strong man, you have no more influence over him, nor his life, nor his outcome, nor his future. Your power has been broken. You have been bound. Now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that strong man and I command his departure in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for the freedom. I receive it. The freedom. The freedom that comes from being loosed from the influence of this demonic activity. Loose this man in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I take authority over that spirit that has had the legal right by words, thoughts, and actions to torment, agitate, restrict. Those days are over right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the deliverance and the freedom from demonic activity and influence in this man's life from this day forward. I declare him free. The Son has made him free, and he's free indeed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I declare you loosed and free by the power of the living God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come out, come out, come out. You know you must. Do it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of of Jesus I break the power of that strong man who's hindered you from experiencing your covenant rights that which belongs to you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ in Jesus name I take authority 
over every spirit that has restricted and confined. And I declare you free by the power of the living God in Jesus' name. Sing it again. Sing it again. For you are great. Thank you, Father. You do miracles. Lose her. Lose her in the name of Jesus. Lose him in the name. Lose her in the name of Jesus. I bind you, strong man. I demand your departure in the name of Jesus. No longer influence. There is her name, lose him, lose her, lose him, in the name, lose him, once and for all, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name, lose her right now, in the name 
right now, everybody in the audience, turn and look at those cameras and stretch your hands. We've gotten a lot of requests from people that are watching by live stream. Even though they are not in this auditorium, there's, that's, that doesn't re- limit them from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. So in the name of Jesus, everyone watching by live stream that is in need of deliverance from the influence of that strong man that's been operating your life and blocking you from experiencing God's best, in Jesus' name, he in whom gives me the authority to do this, I break that power, I bind that strong man, I command you to be loose from it and to no longer be affected by it, and now you can enjoy God's best for the rest of your life. Give the Lord a shout, hallelujah. Now, he touched me. Come on, everybody sing this. Everybody lift your hands and sing this. Hallelujah. He touched me. That's me. Oh, the joy. And oh, the joy that was my soul. Something happened. Did you receive something tonight? 
Were you touched by the word, by his presence tonight? Amen. Well, we have one more night of First Things First Conference tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Hallelujah. And I want you to, I want you to go to work tomorrow, wherever the Lord takes you in. And I want you to give them Jesus. Amen. I want you to give them freedom. Everywhere we are to go as believers to give people what we've received. Jesus told the disciples, freely have you received, freely give. We love you. God bless and go give him Jesus.